Well, good morning. It's just a joy to be with you today, just to delight in God's presence together, uh, to share with you from the word in this uh, beautiful new series you are doing as a congregation. And uh, in a special way to be here to celebrate the ordination of my friend, John Cook. Uh, Now, as you probably know, if you have met John, that he's quite a character. Um, He's always bringing a whole lot of laughter and fun wherever he is. And I'm very grateful for his sense of humor, Uh, except, of course, when he is picking on me. I don't know if that's true for anybody else. Um, And I'm a little bit nervous that after I finish giving him this fancy certificate today that he's been ordained, that he might be a little less, you know, quick to butter me up and, you know, be kind to me. And I might become the object of a few of his jokes in the future. Although actually uh, ordination really has nothing to do with me. He doesn't need to, hasn't needed to worry about that. Although I'm glad he has, you know, he's been a little bit careful. But really, I'm not the one ordaining anyone today. Uh, That is God's job. Uh, He is the one who calls and ordains his people to serve him in unique ways. And uh, let me just say to you, John, I am so glad that God has ordained you to serve alongside us in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, You and Beth and your family have been a great gift uh, to our family and to our Alliance family. And uh, it's just a joy to celebrate with you today. Well, as a church, you've been uh, entering into this uh, sermon series called Glimpses of Calvary. And the idea is that throughout the Old Testament, there are these prophetic signs that that point towards the coming of Christ, his atoning death on the cross and his victorious resurrection. So as we think today about this ordination service for John, I want to share with you from the passage uh, Annie read earlier in Isaiah chapter 53 and the verses or chapters surrounding it. Now, as you probably noticed, as the passage was read earlier, uh, Isaiah 53 might be a little bit of a stretch to consider a glimpse of Calvary uh, because it's a bit more like a close range photo in high definition, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to get any more stunning a prophetic picture of the coming Messiah than what we see in this passage. And in fact, uh, the New Testament writers quickly picked up on this and uh, quoted this passage in reference to Jesus on multiple occasions. Uh, For instance, in Acts chapter 8, this is the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading when Philip came up to his chariot. And he was reading that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. He didn't quite know what that meant, but Philip came alongside, guided by the Holy Spirit, and explained to him what it had said just a verse earlier in verse 6, that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is what Isaiah chapter 53 is all about, the suffering of the servant who was later revealed as Jesus, the one who suffered on our behalf so that we can be forgiven of our sins and ultimately participate in the coming restoration of all things. As Isaiah prophesied a few chapters later in chapter 65, that God will one day create a new heavens and a new earth where we can participate through faith in Christ. The New Testament writers could see that this passage was a witness to Jesus Christ. It was a glimpse of Calvary from the Old Testament. And and they saw that and shared that throughout uh, their time in the New Testament. 
What I find most fascinating, though, about this passage is actually the context in which it was written in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and, uh, you know, John, just so you know, I, I'm, I haven't forgot about you. I am going to tie this back into your ordination. And, and thinking about that, because I can just tell you're wondering, like, why aren't you talking about me? Because I know you just love to be at the center of attention, John. No, actually, he doesn't like that at all. But I just have to pick on him a little bit because, you know, he likes to do that. But anyway, just because the 400 or so questions we asked you in your ordination interview weren't quite enough, I have one more. Now, this is a bit of a tricky one, um, but I'm, I'm going to give you a uh, finish these two verses. You know, for those of you who have known Bible quizzing, I was a Bible quizzer. So I'm going to start these two verses and I want to see if you can finish the quote. And this is important because this is a really important verse for global ministries. So, you know, this is your employment is kind of tied to this, John. So you, you, they really believe in this. And this is actually two things. It's in Isaiah chapter 52, quoted from Isaiah 52. And actually, I didn't even plan this, but it was already quoted in one of the announcements earlier. So we really hope you can get this. Okay, John, I'm going to read the first part of these two verses, and I just want you to give me the quote from the end from chapter 52 of Isaiah. Okay, here it goes. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written... Okay, we, we have a friend. That, that was brilliant. TC, he's really smart. Yeah, yeah, you know, wise delegation. That's good. All right, the, the, the final answer is, I, I heard someone else say it here. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Way to go, go John. I, I mean... You used your team here, which was brilliant. And, and so I think with that, at least, you know, you've secured your employment and, and certainly confirmed your, your ordination. Uh, John really is a lot of fun. And, and I mean, the church can sometimes, we can be a little bit too serious. And so we really do appreciate the, him bringing a little bit of lightheartedness to our lives. But isn't it an amazing verse? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. John and Beth, you have beautiful feet. Now, I hear some chuckles on that. I actually haven't inspected them super carefully. But you have given so many years of your life to bringing access to Jesus where few or none have had an opportunity to hear. And now you are giving your lives to supporting other workers who are going so that they too can bring that good news to the world. Uh, this is really a great gift to our Alliance family as a whole. And I uh, want you to know how much we appreciate your beautiful feet. And as I was thinking about your role as in member care, it's kind of like your member care is like putting sandals on the feet of those who are going so that they can have a little bit easier journey as they do so. Well, back to Isaiah chapter 52. And it's fascinating to, to see the context in which this verse was written. It was written as a prophetic word of hope to the exiles who were living in Babylon because of their sin. And uh, the prophet was saying that, that God was fighting a battle on their behalf so that they could come out of exile and be brought back to the promised land of his abundance. 
And the picture of this verse is of a, of a messenger coming from the battle line. And he's coming to proclaim the good news that, that the king has triumphed. You know, in those days, they didn't have text messaging or social media or any of those other ways of communication. And so someone had to use their feet to run a very long way to proclaim the good news. Yes, we are winning the battle. The king has triumphed. And they would bring that message back to the people in the city. And so in verse 52, or chapter 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Again, this is our calling as an Alliance family. It's why as international workers, we go out and, and why you continue to support uh, our global team, uh, John and Beth, through their member care and all of us through prayers and through giving. We, we want to proclaim as a family the long-awaited good news of victory that Jesus is king. He has triumphed over sin and he has come to set the captives free. Well, that was the message that the exiles in Babylon needed to hear as well. They needed to know that Yahweh, their God, was still the king. Uh, he had not somehow been defeated years earlier when the Babylonians had defeated Jerusalem and carried them off into exile. No, he was alive and well and still fighting on their behalf in that time and prophesying a time when he would come again to bring full victory, not just from their physical surroundings, but from their spiritual need of salvation as well. And this messenger with beautiful feet was coming back to the city to proclaim that they, this king had won the battle. He had set the people free and now they could return to the promised land. The passage then goes on to elaborate uh, on this picture by highlighting how the watchmen on the walls would have seen this messenger running from a distance. They could tell that he brings good news. And so in verse 8, it says that they lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. And then in verse 10, it, we read the glorious declaration that would have resounded within the city walls as these watchmen saw the messenger and then relayed the news to the people. And it says, the Lord has laid bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. In other words, the Lord's mighty power, represented by his great strong arm, has come and it, it has been used to punish their enemies and to rescue his people. And as a result, all of the nations would see God's salvation. Well, that's chapter 52. Come back to chapter 53 in a minute, but let's just jump over to chapter 54 and take a look there for a moment. Starts off in verse 1 with these words. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. 
Now the picture here is of Israel being brought back to the barren land that had been laid waste by the Babylonians. And, and it felt totally desolate and barren. And, and this message of hope is that this barren land actually needs to make room because there's a lot of children. There's been no children there for a long time. But now there will be a, a, a move of God that will result in more children that will spread out and dispossess the nations and the land will prosper with God's people again her disgrace will be gone she will no longer be ashamed but instead will have these children given to them by God uh, the point is clear the tables have turned the barrenness of Israel's time in exile has come to an end and now they will spread out in the promised land with no more fear of their enemies because as it says at the end of that chapter in verse 17 no weapon forged against them will prevail they can be totally secure because God has delivered them and brought them back to their place of abundance that's chapter 54 let's move on to chapter 55 where it just keeps getting better look at the beginning in verses 1 and 2 where he says this is God's invitation to his people it's like he's inviting them back into the land of abundance and he says come all you who are thirsty they're really thirsty they've spent a lot of years in exile come all you who are thirsty come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Verse three, he goes on to assure them that this everlasting covenant with David will continue. And that's really what they were afraid of. They thought that when the Babylonians overthrew them and they went into exile, that maybe all of those promises of God were coming to an end. Any promises you've received a long time ago that don't feel like they're being fulfilled and God is wanting to speak a word of hope, though you might feel like you're in exile, though you might feel like those promises have come to an end, God here prophesies to his people and he says, I will fulfill the promise I made to David. And how does that get fulfilled? It's a glimpse of Calvary. A descendant of David will come one day and he will rescue his people. Verse 5 says the result of this ongoing fulfillment of God's promise through this glimpse of what would come one day in the future. And he says, surely you will summon nations you know not and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Isn't that what you long for, John? to be so endowed with the splendor of our king that the nations will be amazed and come running to see what you have to offer in Christ. Isn't that why you serve our international workers? Why you care for them in such practical ways? Isn't that why we as an Alliance family join together to care for our workers, to help them to bring the splendor of Jesus to the nations, those with little or no access to his good news? Because we want nothing to keep God's people from revealing the splendor of King Jesus to those he has called us to reach. Well, guess what, John? You are endowed with splendor. And you have been given authority to summon the nations that they might taste and see the glory 
of our God. I have seen this splendor in you. And I'm so grateful that you are part of our team, part of our Alliance family that are revealing this beauty to those who haven't yet been able to see. Well, this is the climax of this section of Isaiah. The hope that the prophet is giving to the exiles in Babylon and that are a glimpse of the hope that one day you and I would receive in Christ. There will once again be a king on David's throne. And his people will reveal the glory of their king to the nations and invite them to his banqueting table, which is even a little better than the cupcakes we're going to enjoy at the end of our service. He says in verse 12, kind of concludes this section and says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. Can you imagine that? And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, as I've been talking through these few chapters, I, I'm not sure about you, but in my opinion, it seems like they go really well together. You know, chapter 52 uh, speaks of the Lord laying bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And, and then in chapter 54, it talks about how the people finally come back to their barren land and receive the fullness and abundance that is theirs through the promised, promises of God fulfilled through the coming king from David. Doesn't that all fit so nicely together? <laughs> and yet that's not the way it was written. Instead, sandwiched between these two glorious, victorious passages is the extraordinary text we read earlier about the suffering servant whose life was made a guilt offering for his sheep who have wandered away. And it doesn't seem to make sense, does it? At first glimpse, it doesn't seem to fit. Perhaps that's because glimpses of Calvary rarely do. The cross never seems to fit very well, does it? We, we like to talk about God reigning as the king. We like to talk about all the victories and the triumph. We don't like so much to talk about the cross, about our sin and our need for a savior and how that required great suffering on his behalf. And yet, as, as you are well aware, uh, John and Beth, from, both from your years on the field and, and now your years serving our workers in some of their most vulnerable moments, uh, suffering is part of the journey. In fact, often it's right in the middle of what otherwise seemed to be a trajectory of victory and prosperity and us doing the mission of God. Often it's right there in the middle <laughs> When, when it looked like the kingdom of God was coming, that, that there it is. Isaiah 53 shows up. Suffering, anguish, and defeat. Or so it seems. Now, if you're anything like me, when those moments come, whether that's in your church, your own personal family life, uh, in the work we want to do in the nations, all of a sudden war breaks out in another part of the world. And we wonder why, you know, why so much pain and suffering in the world? Uh, why so many setbacks? And this is the question that was raised at the beginning of Isaiah 53, verse 1. He says, Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has your arm been revealed? 
Remember chapter 52 just talked about the holy arm of God that was delivering his people, rescuing them from their oppressors. And these messengers of God are wondering, where's the arm of God? Where is the victory? Where's the breakthrough? Maybe you ask sometimes, where is the health of our workers? Why aren't the trees clapping their hands? Why aren't the mountains bursting into song as we toil to proclaim the good news? Why does the barren land still feel so barren? Why do the weapons forged against us actually seem to be prevailing? Where, O oh Lord, is your powerful arm that reaches out to defeat the dominion of darkness and establish your kingdom of light? Ever asked yourself a question like that? Or is it just me? I long for God to bear his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, for all of us in the Alliance and at Unionville Alliance Church, for us to experience the fullness of life in the kingdom of God as Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people who multiply disciples everywhere. Kind of like that passage in Isaiah 54 where, where they have to spread out and fill the land as they multiply throughout. That's what I long for. And yet what has deeply impacted me as I have studied Isaiah chapter 53 is that God has revealed his arm. He has made possible the kingdom of God to break through and penetrate the darkness, even though we can't always see it. His light does shine in the darkness as John proclaimed, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's just done it and continues to do it in a way Nobody expected. He did it through the suffering of Jesus. And he continues to do it through us as we take up our cross and join him. Notice the response to this question of the messengers. Who has believed our message? To whom has your arm been revealed? Verse 2 and following goes on to describe the arm of the Lord. It actually all of that follows, actually, if you look at it grammatically, it actually follows. Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? He says, well, the arm had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected by people. He was a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. John, this is the mystery of the gospel. This is that the mystery that the arm of the Lord, his great power, his mighty strength to deliver his people is revealed through the suffering of the servant. In other words, his kingdom comes through the cross. Victory comes through defeat. And here's perhaps the most surprising part of all. You and I, all of us, are invited to participate in this mystery. God wants to reveal his power through our weakness as well. We sang about that over and over again in that first song. Your grace is enough. That's coming from 2 Corinthians 12, where it says that your grace is sufficient in our weakness. Not just when everything is strong and we see the mighty arm of God, but as his arm, his power is revealed through the weakness of his people, how he can use even you and me to bring about the kingdom of God, even in the midst of all of our weakness. 
It's this fascinating paradox that victory comes through defeat, that strength comes through weakness, glory comes through suffering, hope comes from despair, kingdom comes through cross. This is the mystery that baffled the kings of the earth. We see it just before Isaiah 53 in chapter 52, at the end, verses 13 to 15. Look at these fascinating words. He says, again, this is God proclaiming this prophetic word about Jesus. He says, see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised up and lifted up and highly exalted. Those are actually the same terms that are used in Isaiah chapter six that speak of God, who when Isaiah sees him high lifted up and the train of his robe filling with glory, this is, they will see this servant high and lifted up, highly exalted. And then it says, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. This is the least likely picture of the arm of the Lord. It says, so will he sprinkle the nations. So will he sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. It's the mystery that victory comes through defeat. Triumph comes through the cross. The power of God, his mighty strength is revealed through weakness. And amazingly, that is how many nations will see and understand and ultimately be sprinkled by his blood shed on Calvary. It's not through our strength. It's actually through our weakness. As we participate in the sufferings of Christ, as we follow the lamb into battle, laying down our lives, he in turn does this extraordinary work of opening the eyes of the kings of the nations that they might see and understand and be sprinkled and transformed by the power and love of Jesus. So John, uh, soon to be the officially the Reverend John Cook. And all of you here at Unionville Alliance Church, those of you online, on those days when you are feeling tired and weary, when you feel insufficient for the task or, or perhaps powerless in the face of all of the challenges you face, when the burdens of our workers that you care for feel overwhelming, let alone your own burdens, for all of us, when we are feeling heavy like that last song just sang about, let me remind all of us today that Jesus has triumphed and he invites us to come to him just as we are. It is through his weakness on the cross that we get a glimpse of through Isaiah 53. Through that weakness, he has made it possible for you to find the strength you need each day. Yes, there will be many trials along the way. There will be in this world, as Jesus said, we will have trouble. Yes, following Christ means taking up our cross as he did, joining him in his suffering, in his weakness and his grief. But the hope we get a glimpse of in Isaiah 53. And that is spelled out even more clearly throughout the New Testament is that ultimately our suffering is not in vain. Isaiah 53 leads to Isaiah 54. The cross leads to resurrection. The barren places will once again burst with life. And we will hear it proclaimed within our city walls. Our God reigns. 
So John, all of you here at Unionville Alliance Church, let me close just by inviting you once again to accept that divine invitation we saw earlier in chapter 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Listen, listen to me, says the Lord, and eat what is good. And your souls will delight in the richest affair. Amen. Worship team.